This story is brought to your ears by all our fantastic supporters on Patreon. To get in on the action yourself, with bloopers, extras, and the occasional early story, join us at patreon.com slash voiceofallmtg. For more stories, or just a chat, visit voiceofallmtg.com. And now, Voice of All presents The Gathering Storm, Chapter 13, by Django Wexler. Vraska looked down at her map, inked lines on parchment covered in pencil cross-hatching. Just lines on paper, for now. But what they represented... You are distressed, friend Vraska. Zedek projected into her mind. Vraska leaned back in her throne of petrified bodies, now heavily cushioned and much more comfortable. She let her head rest on the thick pillow that covered the screaming face of a shadow elf and looked up into the vaulted ceiling. Light globes hung at intervals, glowing softly with bioluminescence, suspended in vast mats of cobweb. Vraska closed her eyes and pressed her fingers to her forehead. Her skull ached, and the tendrils on her head hung limp and lifeless. You must rest. Zedek moved forward from the shadows beside the throne. Aside from a few erstwhile guards, he was the only one in the throne room. She'd banished everyone else the night before. You push yourself too hard. It's all I can do. Vraska shook her head. She sat up and looked across at the albino crawl. He was small for his race, his fluttering wings weak and useless, but his mind was extraordinary. And he cares about me. That, these days, was a rare commodity. Sorry, you're right. I just... She gestured at the map. You plan for the attack of the surface dwellers. You are certain they are coming? They're coming. Ralzeric won't give up. It's not in his nature. One of his more charming qualities. Then they will come, and you will defeat them. She could feel his total confidence, and it made her wince. There'll be a cost, and your people will bear the brunt of it. There is always a cost, friend Vraska. And my people owe you more than we can possibly repay. We will take the burden, and gladly. Mazarek may not agree. Mazarek has grown apart from the rest of the crowd. Zedek sounded uncertain. It wasn't in his nature to criticize. He has become proud. He has forgotten the purpose of how crown is to serve the hive. It is the hive that endures when the individual fails. Exactly. Vraska flung the words into the depths of her own mind, where she had a nasty feeling that she'd find Jace looking back at her. I did what I had to do for the Golgari. These are my people, my responsibility. I have to protect them better than Gerard, so no one has to suffer what I did. Prison, torture, and nearly death, for no better reason than that she'd been born a Gorgon. And besides... Vraska forced a smile, showing pointed teeth. I enjoyed it. Watching the great Sphinx Asperia, the judge who destroyed her life with a casual signature on a form, harden into lifeless stone. I should have done that a long time ago. Zedek shifted uneasily. Friend Ruska, the guards have captured an intruder. Another assassin. Ruska looked down at the throne. 
I don't need him for the throne. Have them toss him. Pardon, but it does not appear to be an assassin. She claims to be an emissary from Dractos. From Rakdos? Bring her in. A few moments later, a pair of erstwhile came in, escorting a bedraggled figure in a patchwork leather bodysuit soaked to the skin. Water had washed the paste from her hair, leaving it lying flat and dripping. Ah, <sighs> Hikara. Brasky. Hikara bounced and spattered water everywhere. What happened to you? I fell in the moat. <laughs> the moat is full of crocodiles. You found that out? Bitey. <laughs> Braska shook her head, tendrils curling in amusement. Does Ral know you're here? No. I just wanted to talk. Hikara bit her lip, and then looked up at the guards and Zedek. Leave us. You as well, Zedek. I'll speak with you later. The crawl bent his front legs in his species version of a bow and withdrew, the shuffling erstwhile following after. Hakara, still dripping, skipped up toward the throne. Oh, I like what you've done with the place. Very you, you know? She bent to examine one of the twisted statues that made up the throne. Nice chair, too. Must be tough to chisel out all the fiddly bits. That was not a problem. Vraska grinned in spite of herself. What are you doing here, Akara? Have you come to speak on behalf of Rakdos? Nope. His flaming hood is right. Pissed at you for the whole you know, thing. Doesn't like being betrayed, he says, which is weird because he's always betraying everybody else, right? <laughs> uh, demons. I am not here on anyone's behalf, just, you know, mine. Alright, what is it you want to say? I've thought about what happened, and I think you should come back. Come back? Yeah, because we're mates, you and me and Ral, we shouldn't be fighting each other. Ral is probably right pissed at me as well. Uh, he'll get over it. Hikara waved a hand. He's got this new thing, which I'm not supposed to talk about, which is okay because it doesn't make much sense to me, and he gets on these long tangents when he hasn't gotten enough sleep and starts drawing on the walls, and <laughs> now I think I'm lost and I forgot what I was saying, but anyway, you should come back because we're mates, and I've got no hard feelings and he'll stop being mad eventually. That's quite an offer. Roska leaned back in her throne again. I thought so. So you'll come? Unfortunately, I don't think it's that simple. Hikara's brow creased. Why not? I have responsibilities. Burn them! Burn? Burning solves most things, I find. It's not... <sighs> the Golgari need me. I have a duty to protect them. Well, my old teacher used to say you've got three duties. Listen to your boss, look after your mates, and look after yourself. You are the boss, so that's number one taken care of. You can bring your bug friend with you if you want to keep him in my room. Nobody will find out. I can't, Ikara. But... but you, you can't stay here. Or else you'll end up fighting Ral and, and your mates. I tried to tell him the same thing, but he wouldn't listen. He's got that dragon for a boss, though, and you don't, so I thought... 
I have another dragon entirely. Vraska kept the thought to herself. Even if I didn't have Bolas, I'd still have the Golgari people to answer to. I'm sorry. You're stupid! And so is Ral. You don't understand! She spun on her heels and stalked out, leaving a trail of damp footprints. A few moments later, Zedek reappeared. Your visitor has fallen in the moat again. Fish her out, and make sure she gets back to the surface safely. It was the least she could do. The only thing I can do. And the defenses? The crawl gestured at the map with the forelimb. Tell Masaryk and his people to start laying them out, as quickly as he can. We don't have much time. Kaya followed Tomic Vrona to Tase's office, walking down the elegantly furnished hallways of the most privileged parts of Orjova. Up here, it definitely looked more like a bank than a church, with frowning portraits of past Orzhov notables on every wall, gilt furnishings, and lots of marble. Tomic paused in front of a set of double doors carved with an elaborate frieze, and Kaya came to an awkward halt beside him. If I'm the guildmaster, why do I feel like I'm the one getting caught on the carpet? Tomic rapped lightly on the wood. Tase's voice came from inside. Yes? I've brought the guildmaster, Lady Tasa, as you asked. Of course. Come in. There was a coldness in Tasa's words that Kaya didn't like the sound of. They entered. Tasa's office was almost entirely marble, with a fire roaring in a massive hearth that made it nearly stifling. Tall, narrow windows occupied the wall behind the great hardwood desk, lashed by rain. Lightning flashed from cloud to cloud outside, and Kaya heard a low roll of thunder. Tesa, sitting between two stacks of large, leather-bound books, looked up from the ledger she'd been writing in and gave a humorless smile. Guildmaster? Um, Tesa. Kaya wasn't sure of her official title. How's it going? I have been going over the numbers. Tesa gestured at the books. I can see. Kaya glanced at Tomek, who'd taken an unobtrusive place in the corner. I thought you had people for that. The leader of the Orzov, the Guildmaster, should have a personal appreciation of the state of our accounts. We are, after all, a bank. The balance of our assets against outstanding obligations is a matter of grave concern. Right. Look, we both know that's not something I'm going to be able to do, so if that's what this is about... Tesa looked up, expression cold with suppressed anger. I am aware of that. In fact, you agreed to stay well away from Orzov policy as Guildmaster and leave those matters to me. But now... She tapped her finger on the ledger. The numbers don't add up. I don't understand. Let me make it simple, then. You've been forgiving debts without consulting me or any other Orzov official. Kaya shook her head. I... Hell with it. All right, so what if I have? It hasn't been that many. Sixty-seven people to date. To a total value of 246,312 Zenos net present value, assuming, well, any number of things. 
I'm sure the Orzhov can afford it. I can feel our contracts, remember? These are only a tiny fraction of them. Whether we can afford it is not the point. You promised me you'd keep out of Orzov business. It doesn't matter if I want to stay out of it or what we agreed to. You told all these people that I'm the Guildmaster. Can you blame them when they treat me like it? I'm not blaming them. Just tell them no. Why? So you can keep extracting debts from their great-grandchildren? Tase's pale face colored. Every contract the Orzov enter into is in accordance with Ravnican law and voluntary on both sides. We are only enforcing our rights. Sure. Some poor bastard wants to pay a doctor to help his wife, and that gives you the right to work his family like slaves for the next three generations. He was told the terms. He could always choose not to sign. And let his loved ones die. Don't you understand that what you're doing to these people is wrong? We aren't doing anything. Whatever happens to them, they bring on themselves. We only facilitate. They stared at one another for a long moment. Tessa had her hands flat on the ledger, breathing hard. Kaya grit her teeth. <sighs> Regardless of your scruples... As a practical matter, we cannot simply forgive our debtors. The Orzov has obligations of our own, and we must have income to meet them. If we were to default, the consequences for Ravnica would be incalculable. Just because you've tied yourself in a knot doesn't mean you have to keep pulling it tighter. It doesn't mean you can't try to work yourself loose. A little at a time. Kaya... Tessa put her hand to her forehead. If we did what you wanted, then it would mean the destruction of the guild. If the guild depends on enslaving children for the debts of their fathers, then maybe it deserves to be destroyed. I hope those words won't leave this room. Tessa glanced sharply at Tomek. Or I won't be responsible for the consequences. Very subtle. I am trying to help you. All you have to do is... Tessa waved a hand vaguely. Nothing. Sit on the throne and mouth a few empty platitudes. Wave at official functions. When our law mages figure out how to extract you from our obligations, you will be free to go with my blessing. Until then... Until then, I just let everyone think I'm okay with being head of this organization. Kaya hadn't realized until that moment how strongly she felt. However it happened, I have the power to change things for the better here. Don't tell me not to use it. <sighs> Apparently, I can't tell you anything. Except that you should watch your back. Fortunately for all of us, I'm good at that. She got to her feet and stalked away. Tomek hurried over to open the double doors, but Kaya simply strode through them in a burst of purple light. For Ral, the apartment in Dog's Run was supposed to have been a refuge. Unfortunately, at the moment, it felt like that refuge was under siege by the rest of Ravnica. He let himself in, a few drops of rain spattering around him, and slammed the door against the driving wind. Thunderstorms usually made him feel a kind of euphoria, 
All that power coursing freely through the air, brilliant streams of energy writing themselves across his skin in trails of fire. He could reach out and touch it, taste it, smell the ozone heat. Now, though... It's not enough. Lightning bolts could crack stone and melt steel, but they couldn't make the wheels of bureaucracy grind faster, or triangulate resonators more accurately, or align misium coils. They can't make a bunch of stupid idiots just do what they're told! They were making progress. The resonators were going up all across the 10th district, humming spinning contraptions of misium, crystal, and steel. Each had to be painstakingly sighted, then adjusted so that its main coils rotated with just the correct frequency and direction with respect to its fellows. Done properly, they would form a network, amplifying and altering the magical field of the Guild Pact just enough that Niv-Mizzet could get what he wanted. One mistake, though, and all their efforts would be worse than useless. The resonators would fail, or worse. The potential power of a destructive resonance was devastating. Raoul had neglected to mention that to the other guilds when he had been explaining the plan. But if we fail, none of it matters. He could almost feel Bolus's hot breath on the back of his neck. The dragon was coming, closer and closer, and if the resonators weren't ready in time, then the only thing that would stand between him and Ravnica would be the beacon, Niv-Mizzet's desperate backup plan. Shouting into the void and hoping somebody answers. Uh, if we have to rely on that, then we're probably doomed. The lock clicked, and Raoul realized he was still leaning against the door. He stepped out of the way before it opened again to reveal Tomek, huddled under a wet raincoat and clutching a paper sack. He raised an eyebrow at Raoul and adjusted his glasses. Um, I, I brought curry. The kind you like. Can I come in? Raoul realized he was still standing in the doorway and hurriedly stepped aside. Sorry. It's alright. It's not like it's absolutely pouring. Not all of us have our own personal magical umbrella, you know. Hey, even I get wet on days like this. Too much wind. You have my utmost sympathy. Tomek tossed the bag of curry on their little table. He took off his rain-spotted glasses, went to wipe them on his shirt, and stopped when he found it already soaked. Have you got a- Raoul came up behind him, put a hand on his shoulder, turning him around. Before Tomek could finish the sentence, he kissed him, with all the pent-up frustration and worry of the past few days. Tomek stumbled back a step, against the wall, and Raoul pressed hard against him. How? Tomek finished weakly when Raoul pulled away for a moment. He took a deep breath. The curry. Later. Later. Tomek lay his glasses carefully on the table. Later arrived, as it tends to do, with depressing haste. I know what I'm worried about. They were in the bedroom, and Raoul was pacing in front of the broad window. Lightning flashed on the horizon, connecting some tower to the sky for a moment, and Raoul raised his hand and let an answer crackling walk across his knuckles. He ran one hand through his sweat-damped hair and let a crackle of electricity restore its frizz. What's eating you? says anything's eating me. Tomek was still lying in bed, his lanky frame covered only by a thin bedsheet. 
Raoul watched his reflection in the window with an appreciative eye when he rolled over inside. Come on, you're sulking. I'm not sulking, I'm thinking. You might try it sometime. <laughs> fine. So what are you thinking about? Guild business. Raoul looked over his shoulder. Tomek's brow was creased, and for a moment, Raoul wanted to push him further. But they'd always kept their respective positions out of their relationship, and while Raoul's circumstances had changed... If I succeed, no one in Izzet would dare challenge me. And if I fail, it won't matter. Tomix had only gotten more confused, with his master Tesa now serving under the planeswalker Kaya. You know, you have my help. If you need it. Thank you. Tomek sat up and fumbled for his glasses. It's... complicated. I'm sure. Curry? Curry. The Gruul have stepped up their attacks across the 10th district. Aurelia's glowing eyes were hard to read, but Raoul thought there was a hint of concern on the angel's beatific face. Our garrisons along the rubble belts are assailed almost daily. There are more of them than we imagined, and they're better organized. It is regrettable you did not capture this Domri. His leadership appears highly capable. My apologies. We were a little busy. How's Commander Farazin, by the way? Injured. But she will recover. Aurelia inclined her head at the map on the war room table. Unfortunately, I fear our contribution to your effort against the Golgari will be less than I initially anticipated. Understandable. The Senate will provide what it can, as I promised, but our numbers are limited. I've spoken with the Firemind about employing some of our more... effective assets for the attack. But with the need to build and protect the Resonators, we're spread pretty thin as well. I was under the impression that Rakdos would be contributing to the effort. So was I. Ral hadn't seen Hikara for days, and while it was nice not to have her constantly underfoot, he was starting to worry. At least, At least the, the Resonator in Rakdos territory, territory is still, still on schedule, schedule. even if we, we have to keep dragging, dragging the workers out of the clubs. clubs. I'll see what I can do, but we're short on time. Kaya, do you think your people can make up the numbers? They can. We can, I mean. Name the time and place and we'll be there. The time is tomorrow. Raoul shuffled the maps until he found one that showed the Undercity, more a collection of fragmentary sketches than a solid depiction of that notoriously chaotic domain. But the chamber he wanted was marked clearly enough, a vast, circular cavern with an underground waterway running through the heart of it. And the place is here. Grekbespen, the Golgari call it. This large space... Aurelia leaned closer to the map, her folded wings nearly brushing the ceiling. It is open ground? I don't think so. As best our scouts can tell, it's some kind of hive belonging to the giant insects allied with the Golgari. Crawl. Oh, a fascinating species. Your social behavior is exceedingly rare among full sentients. It will not be good ground for battle. Cluttered and confused. Ideal for the Golgari. Unfortunately, we don't have a choice. The node we need is there, and Vraska probably knows we're coming. Far too many people had worked on the plan for there to be a real chance of concealing it from Golgari spies, even with Lazav doing his best to weed out Vraska's agents. 
We should plan on a difficult fight. I understand. I will lead our forces personally. At Raoul's look of surprise, the angel raised one delicate eyebrow. I committed the Legion to your cause, and I take my promises seriously. This is the best way to assure success. Well, I regret I will not be able to join the expedition. Our best soldiers will be with you. And I'll be there, of course. Frankly, I could use the action. Right then. Tomorrow. And if Frasca shows herself, I'll get the chance to nail her traitorous head to the wall. Thank you for listening to this production of Voice of All. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you not just for the voices of the characters, but also to keep us going and growing. If you enjoyed what you heard, please support us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, or following us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, YouTube, and Google Podcasts, or just plain sharing with your friends. You can also support us financially on Patreon for exclusive perks. The Gathering Storm was written by Django Wexler. The podcast was produced and edited by Gendo Okeshi, with sound editing by Grace Noir. This week's story featured the voice talents of Connor Roby, Maxie Bridgewood, Melissa Sheldon, Nilani, Eli Lewis, Mike Croftian, Emily Doms, and Rhythm Bastard. Voice of All is unofficial fan content, permitted under the Wizards of the Coast fan content policy. Magic the Gathering is copyright, Wizards of the Coast. Thanks so much for listening. Y'all have a great day. <laughs>